Heather Keller joined me on the podcast today. She was diagnosed with stage one triple positive invasive ductal carcinoma at the end of 2015. Heather shares her journey from finding her lump to diagnosis to treatment and into recovery. She talks about creating an award-winning international touring solo show called Chemo Barbie about her breast cancer journey. Take a listen in as Heather shares her story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. Welcome to the show, Heather. It's so nice to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your story and kind of where it started. Um, you know, if you were having a mammogram, if you were doing a self-check, um, you know, found a lump, like whatever, where did it all happen for you? Where did it start? So for me, um, I had my annual, like a physical once a year. So I was just checking my boobs before the physical and I was like, Oh, I feel something. It's probably just another cyst. Cause I've had cystic boobs my whole life. And, um, and so I went to the, my physical, my doctor felt it and she was like, Oh, we can just probably drain that. I'm sure it's nothing. But, um, you know, it was right around the holidays. It was December, uh, 18th of 2015. So I, was like, I want to, you know, is there a way I can get like a mammogram and, and an ultrasound right away so that I can just get on with the holidays and not have this like hang over me and ruin my holidays. Yeah. And so I went across the hall, which is like the mammogram at Radnet facility and like someone canceled, you know, so I went over and had that done. And then they were like, uh, this is something, um, you're going to have to have a biopsy. And then it started from there. Oh no. Like, yeah. It was yeah. right for the my actual biopsies, I went somewhere, my actual City of Hope Hospital in LA um, okay. for the biopsies and everything. So they did everything again over there. But um, yeah, so I went there on December 24th. Oh, no. Like, yeah, Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then I found out uh, the 27th that it was, that it was cancer. Oh my and then gosh. I met with my oncologist on New Year's Eve of for four hours, like just cause he was, he's a great, you know, patient, very patient person. I was not having the fact that I had cancer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, first of all, that's a really long appointment, but, um, yeah. I mean, it, but so like, you know, I'm thinking back to, you know, kind of what you said where like you've had cystic breasts and, you know, you've had other scans previously and, you know, everything's kind of turned out. So you were anticipating that, that was going to be the same. Yeah. I even, so I had a bad experience at the Radnet facility. Um, just cause it, you know, they have a lot of people and everyone's trying to get their stuff done before the new year because of insurance and things. So uh, they were really busy and it was the end of the day and this, they had like a, a, a nurse, like a trainee in there and, and then the woman doing the ultrasound and they're not supposed to say anything. You know what I mean? They're not supposed yeah. to say anything. 
And she's like, just feel that, touch it. And like this, un, this woman who I don't even know, you know, is like, she's the trainee is like poking it and they're like training her. I didn't know at the time but to feel what cancer felt like. Um, and then, uh, when the ra- radiologist woman came in, she was like, well, we need to do a biopsy. And I was like, what? I, I was just here. And like, it was like 2011, I think. So it had been years previous. She, I said, you must be confusing my, my charts with someone else. She's like, no, we looked and we compared them. And no, it's not the same as, as the thing that you had in 2011 that went away. It was just a cyst and, oh, it was a nightmare. And then I was like, well, you have to do it now. You have to do it now, you know, get this out, get this. And she's like, it's the end of the day. It's a holiday week. So it was like Friday the 18th and like Christmas was the week after. Um, and, uh, it, it ultimately, ultimately like turned out to be a good thing that I didn't get my biopsies there, but she was like, well, you know, you, you really, I was like, are you sure it's something? And you really think so? And she's like, well, I wouldn't want that in me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Like, oh my God. Uh, not to send I up can't. any alarms or red flags at all, but I know. I know. wow. Oh it my gosh. Great. So I called my, I called a friend of mine who had gone through this. Uh, I had babysat her kids years ago. I called her from the Radnet facility and I was like, oh my God, they think it might be cancer. And so she told me to go to this specific doctor at City of Hope. And oh so I showed I mean, not, not that I'm glad that your friend had cancer, but I'm yeah. glad that you had somebody no. that you could call that could refer you to somebody yes. who was going to do yeah. maybe a little bit better of a job. Um, yes. Yeah. She actually never had, this is the doctor that figured out that it wasn't cancer. They tried to diagnose her as breast cancer and it turned out it was a cell that mimics it. Oh, wow. She lucked out, but it took like three months for them to figure it out. So that's why she was like, you have to go see him. You have to go see him. And yeah. <sighs> That's where my journey started. Wow. I mean, like, what, like, welcome 2016. <laughs> like, yes. you know, I mean, not quite the celebration, and especially on New Year's Eve. Good grief. Oh, like, I didn't I even know. know that they were open on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I know. Right? Most places aren't. It was it's the hospital. It's a can- special cancer, cancer hospital. And that's why I think I was able to get in. Because yeah. I showed up, my friend, she was like, um, I don't know. I, I ended up there anyway. I'm, I, like, she's like, show up at the front door of the hospital. Like, just show up. <laughs> I did. My husband drove me and I, they were like, we need your charts in the Radnet facility. So we drove back to Burbank and like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we got that, drove back to the hospital. And I was like, I have to get this out. If it's anything, it was, it was uh, pretty, I was, I was determined yeah. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, like you would absolutely have to be determined, but you know, I'm sure that you also uh, were scared shitless, quite honestly, yeah. because somebody told you that she would not want that inside of her. So. Yeah. She's like, I've been doing this for 10 years and I have seen, and I know that that's cancer and she's not supposed to say that. No. At all. They're not supposed to say anything. No. I mean, I, I couldn't get my rat on or the radiologist to say a word to me I mean I knew because she kept like stroking my hair and telling me how young and beautiful I was um and that we were gonna get through this but you know she didn't say cancer um that's frightening yeah yeah Yeah, I mean they they give clues if you're paying close enough attention they do give clues um yeah I I yeah the whole like I've had a couple of people on the podcast who have said like oh yeah you know that person told me or the tech told me or you know whomever I'm like oh that's a big no-no yeah when I when I told my main doctor about it like my normal like my um what is that your general practitioner yeah 
she actually contacted the facility to let them know because she knew she knows the woman that runs the facility. And they had a talking to with the, with the, with the HIPAA standards or whatever, like the, I don't know, you're not supposed to release, you're not supposed to tell people things like it's. Yeah. And she didn't have the test results back yet either. So, you know, there's always that chance that you might think it is, but it's not. Um, so wow. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, it's, it was stage one invasive ductal. Um, so what did they, did they tell you what size the tumor was? Yeah. Um, it took ultimately when I had the surgery, um, it came out at one and a half, 1.4. Okay. One right before one and a half. So I was able to do, I was triple positive. So I was able to actually, we wanted to have kids too, and we hadn't started yet. So I had to have it removed before I could do fertility. So we did fertility treatments right after. So I had that removed, but it was one in one and a half, basically. Um, okay. Ultimately. So yeah, did you do, I, um, because it was triple positive, did you have to do like the Herceptin treatments first and then do like, or do they, no. I don't know what the process is to be quite honest with you. Sometimes <laughs> I know there's chemo first and then there's surgery and then there's Herceptin or there's, you know, I know there's a yeah. longer process. I had a lot. My, my, I did have the, the option to shrink it first, but okay. then my, it could affect my fertility. Oh, got so, it. Okay. So we did this, we chose to do, since it was small enough, they basically did like a reconstruction of my boob with my own tissue from my, under my arm. So, so did you do so a mastectomy? Is in my boob. What? Did you do a mastectomy? No, I no. did a okay. lumpectomy with partial uh, mastectomy with my own tissue. Okay. So they cut that, that, the tumor, and then they replaced it with tissue under my armpit. So that's now in there. And then, um, and then I've never there, heard that before oh really not once yeah <laughs> they took I mean what's in your armpit like I'm like Rest feeling mine and I'm like where what's what's in there like I know I know I, I didn't know they did it either I was like how come it hurts so much under my arm and he's like oh that's because we refilled your breast with your arm tissue it, it's it's breast tissue so it's like right like if you look at your armpit it's like right below your armpit okay. yeah right in there it's they rebuilt it with that. So it's I like that have... flappy part that hangs out over your bra. Is that what it is? I mean, you don't have it. <laughs> yes, so, right, but that's yeah. what it is, right? <laughs> it's the flappy part that hangs out over my bra. Why the hell didn't yes. they take that from me? You know, everyone is so different. I had so many options. I remember looking at them being like, these all suck. All these options are bad. <laughs> that's true. They do <laughs> suck. So I said, so I have to choose the best of the, the, the least suckiest of the sucky options. And they're like, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm so just like, me, I'm like looking at myself and I'm like grabbing that, yeah. like, you know, I didn't realize that was, I don't know what I thought that was. Honestly. You had a double, well, you know, you had genetics, right? You have yes. the genetic gene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did the, the bilateral mastectomy. So yeah, yeah there wasn't, an, there's not enough hanging over um, from the armpit to, to rebuild anything. So. But I, I mean, like I've I've never heard that before. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it was painful. That really hurt. Oh, I, bet. I bet. Because yeah, so I I said, oh, thank you. So you made me a little thinner on that side then. And they're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I because my genetics came back clean. It was literally the day before my surgery. My genetics came back completely clean. So I don't have any cancer markers. So I was able to 
uh, do a lumpectomy with the port insertion. And then I had lymph nodes taken out, but I was able to keep my ovaries and my every, I was able to keep my ovaries, which was the biggest concern with the genetics. Sure. Um, cause I was old. If, if anything came back, they said, because you're, um, well, they recommend for 45 and under to have your ovaries removed right away. So luckily that was the good news was, okay, I can keep my ovaries. I can do a lumpectomy. I can do fertility treatments, make embryos, then start chemo and Herceptin, which is thir- it's a 13 month treatment plan. So wow. it's a lot, it's a lot. And so it ended in February of 2017. My ult- ultimately my port was removed then wow. my last that much. It's a long, it's a lot it to go through. I mean, that genuinely is a long process. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I know again that, that triple positive it's, it's more, um, you know, there's, there's just so much more that's involved when it's triple positive. Um, but yeah, wow. You, yeah. It used to be like, it used to be the most deadly. And now, now because of the discovery of Herceptin, it's become the most treatable, right. but it does travel and, you know, the treatment is not easy. I and bet, it, yeah. When I say it travels, I, I don't know. I mean, you know what that means, but like it, it, it causes the cancer to travel quickly. Right. Yeah. Uh, like with, that, with that gene. There are little cancer cells that are like, well, there's a party over here and different yeah. neighborhood. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. We're going to go everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's pick some people up along the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good grief. So, um, ugh. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It really is. (laughs) And so, and so you did do the, the fertility preservation. Yes, we did. We did that. Um, And I, I I mean, I just recently had somebody on that talked about fertility preservation and I did not do it, but it sounds like a um, not fun process to be quite honest. Um, So did you have success with it? I did. Um, yeah, I did. I had, they had, we were able to get 12 and um, 12 eggs. Um, and then we basically out of that, we were able to get three embryos. So the other ones were either the eggs were too ripe. They said, <laughs> so silly. <laughs> Sorry. Um, because I go at it like not the most opportune time, but because I was in between a surgery for the cancer and then I had to start chemo at a certain point, I had to go right. like meaning they had to start the, the process of stabbing yourself in the stomach for like 10 days with needles and stuff. You do all of that and then you hope for the best. And so I, I was lucky I had 12 eggs, but if I had gone a little later, a little earlier, meaning gone, meaning putting the the needles in my stomach. Um, I, I could have maybe had a few more, but I'm lucky I have three that are, that are healthy and it was a process. It's, it's hard. Cause when you hear, like, I wanted to visit the embryos, you know, I was, can I visit them? But they're microscopic. Yeah. Just, you feel kind of maternal. I didn't expect that. I felt so maternal toward these 12 eggs. And then they, then they, they fertilize them with my husband's sperm. And then, so, you, so they were growing, you know, and I'm like, can I visit them? <laughs> and then along the process of growing, they, some of them pass away, they arrest, that's what it's called. And then I ended up with the three healthy ones and they're frozen and I call it frozen daycare. Okay. They're, yeah. They're hanging out in frozen daycare, right. thriving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, they're just kind of sitting there waiting for you to basically decide yeah. when and if that time is 
Good for you. Yes. Okay. So we, we had, I had to do tamoxifen for five years. Oh yes. So, um, once that's done, they'll, I'll probably be able to either carry the child myself or we would do a surrogate. I was hoping to be able to carry the child myself, but there's always few dangers with that Yeah, because the, a cancer cell could form again and then grow. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, that is one of the things that, you know, in my book, I, I actually do have a post that, um, or not a post, <laughs> not a digital book. Oh, I suppose it is. Um, but you know, within my, uh, within my book, there is a, um, part in there where I talk about that. You know, I just kind of talk about finding a surrogate, um, because it is kind of scary to think about like, you know, you've gone through all of this stuff and, you know, if you're ER positive, you know, the, the, the cancer fuels off of that estrogen. And when you're pregnant, you know, your body's, super creating yeah hormonal and lots of estrogen flying around um so yeah i mean it it's kind of it's a i think it's a hard thing to figure out um quite honestly um you know and i think yeah. everybody's different but yeah i, I had cons- i was not married at the time i didn't even have a, a significant other but i was thinking uh, about those things like you know would i be able to have a baby would somebody want to carry it for me and um yeah, I mean, there's a lot of decision-making that has to go on with that. And it's things that you didn't ever think you'd have to think about. No. That's what they were saying. Oh, you have a great uterus. You're so fertile. I'm like, <laughs> wonderful, but my boobs are trying to kill me. So. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, <laughs> um, good, yo, yay uterus. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> From the waist down, I'm fine, but That's up, right. forget it. <laughs> At this point, I, you know, I don't even know where is fine. Like from the, right. from the chin up, yeah. <laughs> everything else is, you know, questionable. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, it's so, I mean, you have to laugh because if you, I was crying at the time, you know, but oh, now, yes. oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it truly is. It truly is. So, um, so did you have to do, sorry, did you have to do radiation as well? Like I'm trying really hard not to, uh, I feel like we could go down this rabbit hole of a lot yeah. of humor. Um, <laughs> I don't know if our listeners are good for that. I know that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, I did, I did, uh, five weeks of radiation. So I did four weeks of, okay. uh, one time, like the regular blast. And then the fifth week was a, a boost Oh yeah, just where the tumor was. Yeah. And then I ended up, um, my ribs cracked because oh. I'm very small on top. And so I ended up with a broken rib and a hole in my rib and they had to biopsy it to make sure it wasn't metastatic cancer. So, you know, it's like the journey never ends. Right. <laughs> Radiation. And I, and I was like, I'm having so much pain. I'm just, I can't get, it was just horrible pain. And, um, and my doctor finally was like, okay, let's just do a, a bone density scan. And then it showed up with a hole on my rib. And, um, that's, uh, that's where they did the biopsy. And I'm luckily, luckily it was, it's healed now, but it took a long time because after radiation, everything is like, you know, your DNA is kind of messed up and, and the cells are slower to do things. So it took a long time for that to heal. So it was a lot of pain. Oh my um, gosh. 
Yeah. So wait, they had to like biopsy, like I, so biopsy is one of those things that it's like an instant trigger for me. I'm like, ooh, um, yeah. definitely shudder on the, the biopsies. Um, but they had to like, they were biopsying like the bone. Mm-hmm. I had a bone oh. biopsy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually. <laughs> Sorry. I get a deep no, breath on I'm that just, one. Yeah. I, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a lot of makeup on. I, I, I did a video. I did a little video. Okay, I, had, I kept a video journal. So I, I look at the makeup I have on and it's obscene. I was like, <laughs> I have to make a positive thing out of this because if this is metastatic cancer, this is a whole different level of yeah. it's forever. And I mean, it is forever already, but this is just, you know, it, it was scary. And so I just, I, I went and I, it was like 6 a.m. and I had like green eyeshadow and eyeliner and I just wanted to like feel good, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I was losing my mind probably, but, um, they, yeah, they go in and they put, um, it, they put it directly into the hole in my bone and were able, they were able to pull out from my rib bone a piece and, uh, and, and then give it to the path lab. And they, they said, this is not, this is not cancer, but it took a couple of days and, it, it, you know, you're sitting in this like tension and this terror of, oh God, you know, I, I thought I was done. I just had Herceptin left and then this could drag on for a long time, you know? Right. So I love, I, I call it lucked out. I don't know what you'd call it really. I just, luckily it wasn't. Yeah. It was yeah. a cancer, but that, I find that that fear, even though with the type of all of the stuff I had to go through with the, all the treatments and everything and that Samoxvin included, it's like, even with, I have a 98% survival rate, I guess it's 97.8. And I look at that and I'm like, that's so amazing. But it's still, you, I have that fear of what if it comes back, it could be there or my body will make a new one. Do you have that? I, I find that I do. Um, you know, I would Here. say that I, I had it more. Um, I don't as much have that now. Um, okay. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, I I can't tell you what shifted. I don't know if it was just time um, or just also a shift in my belief that, um, you know, we're all part of the universe. And even though we may not be here in our physical bodies, that we are still present. Oh, that's pretty. It's beautiful to think that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just... um, I don't, I don't know. I, I really can't tell you exactly what it was, but I, I don't mm-hmm. live in that fear anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, even with going for my annual scans or, you know, anything like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, not anymore, but it's 13 years than, out. It's 13 years out. Yeah. You're still, you're still pretty early on. Yeah, it has, it does. It has lessened. I think I'm also coming, I'm doing five years of tamoxifen. And I'm coming to that. I have one more year left and I'm like, okay, it'll be interesting to see where my brain goes at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> do I have enough protection? I don't know. My doctors are like, you're fine. Don't worry. Yeah. I mean, but, it's hard and yeah. it's really hard when they start to let you go. Like it's, it's one yeah. of those things where like, you know, oh, we don't need to see you for, you know, at, at six months. We need to see you now at 12 months. And you're like, um, hold up, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> Like, I like you and, uh, you know, I want to see you in six months. And um, so it's hard. And when my radiation oncologist let me go completely, I was, you know, quite a mess. 
you know, because really? it was, yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, well, I went in initially thinking like, oh yeah, you know, I've made it five years. I'm going to be let go. And then he was like, mm, no, sorry. And I just kept going and going and going. And then I moved to Arizona and the radiation oncologist here saw me once and was like, we don't need to see you again. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of different emotions that come up along with that stuff that um, you don't even expect either, quite honestly. Yeah, I didn't, like, I, I was severely depressed, and I didn't expect that to come up. I didn't even, that wasn't even something that I thought about with cancer treatment, because we always think, or at least for me, I always think of the movie version, is what I call it, which is, like, bald and throwing up, and I didn't have either of those, because I cold capped, so I kept my hair, and I had all these um, anti-nausea pills, and I was eating, like, for, for me, they said eat around the clock, basically, so my stomach was really never empty, so I didn't have any of that, like, typical what people think of as cancer um the cancer look or version you know like yeah. whatever idea of what cancer is um so yeah with the depression it was like oh my god I'm crying all the time why am I crying all the time I you know it was really hard that was hard anxiety and depression was really what it was and they put me on a fexer were you ever on that no I um I refused all medication I uh, Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's, I have, everybody's so different and, you know, I just have always been one of those people that I've never, um, I've never been big into prescription medication. Mm -hmm. So when they, you know, I went in and I was talking to them and they were like, yeah, you know, we can put you on this antidepressant. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah. and you know, or, or whatever medication. Um, so no, I was not on, um, the only thing I did was tamoxifen. Okay. Okay. Did you, did you, you did chemo though too, right? I did not. I did oh, not. Oh, it was radiation. Yeah. Okay, radiation. radiation. Yeah. So I was part of a clinical trial. Um, so oh. it was basically a computer that decided whether or not I had chemotherapy and it decided I did not. Okay. Oh, is that on that? There's a, uh, there's a name for there. There's a test you can do because yeah, I, was I did. It was, I, I, well, I don't count for that. It doesn't count for me. Uh, the archetype. Archetype. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I did it, but I fell within like the intermediate range for recurrence. Okay. So that was the area where they didn't have enough information to say whether chemotherapy was effective or not effective. Like they knew for higher oncotype, yes, they should do it. For lower <laughs> oncotype, they knew, eh, you know, not necessary. But that intermediate range, they were like, we don't really know. So that's why they started that uh, clinical trial. And I just thought, well, you know, if I can do something to help somebody else who might fall in this yeah. range at a yep. later time, then I'll do it. So if, even if they had come back and said, you know, you have to do chemotherapy, I would have done it. Like whatever they said, mm -hmm. I would have done. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's, it's hard because I was a V I was vegan and a marathon runner when this all started. And I was like, how could I get cancer? I don't understand. <laughs> it's like this weird misconception of like, how would I get this? You know? Cause I, and I, I didn't do, um, I barely took Tylenol. I didn't take a lot of medications. Like I wasn't, I was fine. Like I, and I was like, how, how can this happen? And then I just did what they told me. And they're like this, you know, like you could do what you need is chemo. And I'm like, oh my God, I barely even take ibuprofen. And now I'm putting the most toxic thing in my body I could ever do. It's hard. It's, uh, they're hard decisions to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, it, and it really affected my, yeah, like I said, my, my mood and my, so they sent me to the, the uh, psychologist at, uh, at city of hope. And then she recommended, she's like, it's really more anxiety that you're having. And, um, a lot of patients when they're on chemo, this affects their, their, basically you don't have any serotonin in your brain or any endorphins really. So, um, effects will help with that, like kind of counter yeah. that it helps with the hot flashes because I'm going through yes. medical menopause. So it did help. I'm slowly coming off of the effects are now. So I've been on it to counteract tamoxifen, but I, but like, I don't like to put a lot of stuff in my body. So I was like, if I can just kind of do it every other day now, so that when I stop the tamoxifen in a year, I can come off of it completely. That would be great. Yeah. And I remember they offered, they did offer to me, um, because I, my hot flashes at the beginning were just insane. Um, so yeah. they did, I know that they, they did offer it then too. And I was like, no, yeah. we'll find out, see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> So I, yeah. I did um, a lot of acupuncture too. Yes. That helped. Mm-hmm. And I ran, I am a runner. So I did run during all of my treatments. Um, wow. Obviously I got very, very slow, like my running slowed down and everything, but um, it helped because without that, I don't know. I was just so, I was just so depressed yeah. crying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's typical. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think that it's atypical and, you know, I, I know that I did for sure. I mean, I, I wrote about it. It's, it's definitely in my, in my book where, yeah. you know, I just, I mean, there were days where I would just pull the blankets over my head and I would just sob all day long. Yeah. I never moved, you know, and, but you know, I, I, it's, people have to find their way in coping with yes. that. Um, you know, for me, yeah. one of the things I found was a support group and it was an actual in-person support group, um, at Gilda's club in Pittsburgh. And I connected with those people and it was more the young adult cancer survivors that I connected with. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I would say that they were mostly the reason why I was able to get through that aspect of, um, the cancer diagnosis. Yeah, I did a uh, WeSpark out here in LA and the young adult group, and they were, it was really nice. It was a nice group, really nice group of people, um, very supportive. And I did my uh, video journal, and then um, I wrote, like I wrote a lot down, and that's, that actually is what became the show that I do. Um, it, and I had a caring, I still have it, but I don't really write much in it, but Caring Bridge, you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Caring Bridge account for private account with just like my family that they could read and and I had two really close friends. Um, I had many friends that stepped up and they came over and they helped cold cap and things. But then ultimately, like it was the friends that I was surrounded with that really got me through it. They like scraped me up off the floor and got me, <laughs> got me through, you know, like they showed up at my house. One of them showed up at the house and was like, I hear your, um, I was waiting, I think it was, um, I was waiting to find out, oh, I had found out that I had to, that's what it was, I had found out that I had to do chemo, that I was her positive, and then I had to officially really do chemo, and, um, and she just showed up at the house, and, like, we just sat, and we went through, like, uh, different people, we researched different people who had gone through cancer treatment, and then we came up with the idea that, to do, like, a nude photo shoot, so I, mm-hmm. I, uh, before of my, I want, I was like, I don't know. I'm never going to look the same. I mean, at this point I was like showing everyone my boobs. I was like, look at them. They're so perfect. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to like, they're going to be different. And 
I'm actually grabbing my boobs right now, but uh, <laughs> it happens like all the time, all the time. Like once you're, once you're diagnosed, it's like your hands cannot like, <laughs> like I was groping myself constantly and it did not matter where I was. Like I was always feeling my boobs. Um, yeah. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I did a nude photo shoot and, um, and took like pre photos before I haven't done after photos. I should, I'm curious to see, obviously now with the pandemic, I can't, but but I could, maybe I should do it because my body's changed a lot, you know. Yeah. From tamoxifen, I gain, I've gained like well, I hold a lot of water weight mm-hmm. and stuff. Did did you do you find that with tamoxifen? Um, I had different side effects from tamoxifen. Um, I did not gain a whole lot of weight um, from tamoxifen, but I know that there are a lot of people that do. Um, yeah. But my my. Um, major side effect that I think, um, was it either created or just, um, helped along endometriosis. Um, Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I had horrible, horrible endometriosis and it did not start until I started tamoxifen. At least the symptoms. I don't know if it was always there and it just, you know, kind of was silent. Um, but after tamoxifen, like it was, it was horrendous. And I lived with it for, I would, oh gosh, I want to say it might've been like four years before I went to my gynecologist and the nurse practitioner was like, I feel like we should send you to get checked for endometriosis. And Mm. yeah, it was like, it was pretty bad. Um, I had a friend that was diagnosed late with endometriosis and she did have a hysterectomy and had to have a bunch of, I guess a lot of the scar tissue was there. She had all that removed and um, yeah, it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. Very painful. Not anything that I would wish on anybody. I mean, not not that breast cancer is either. Uh, Let's be clear on that. But yeah, Yeah. endometriosis um, was, yeah, it was awful. Um, So you kind of mentioned, um, the show. So I definitely want to talk about that. (laughs) Um, you know, I, so tell me a little bit, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your show and, and how it, you know, what led you to that and, uh, where people can find some information. Well, um, I, well, it's called chemo Barbie and, um, I, I actually started it as a, it was a bunch of monologue. So I, it was a monologue that, while I was in treatment, I was, um, I wrote a monologue based on these three paintings. It was like a comp, like a kind of a contest and you just write a monologue. And so I wrote out my, what ultimately became the show. It was my, when I was diagnosed, so I wrote it out as a monologue and I performed it at Samuel French in LA. And then I took it to a writing class, which was right next to, uh, we spark the cancer support center. And so that's sort of, um, they're a little related in that I, I started writing once I took it to this writer's group, my, I I did the monologue and she said, you know, you should make it into a show or make that into a scene. So I I create a scene out of it. And then we spark cancer support center had a talent show for all the, like around the holidays, they had a talent show, uh, for all patients if they wanted to do something. So I performed that monologue again. And, um, and then I just kept writing it and it, it ultimately became chemo Barbie. And I, the response was really interesting because it's other cancer patients that saw it and they were like, you really should write this. It's, it's like everyone's story kind of, because even though it's not 
not everyone has breast cancer. They they can relate in different ways because the show covers topics like uh, mental health, fertility, uh, young diagnosis, um, what we all go through, the trauma of cancer. Um, so it, it's it's actually it's a funny show, but it's also you'll laugh and you'll cry. <laughs> it's that kind of a show. I feel like you'll that's cancer. <laughs> In general. Yes. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a cancer journey in general. Um, yeah. 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 Some laughter uh, and some tears. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was my journal entries and it was my CaringBridge account and it was my YouTube videos. It's multimedia. So there's, there are videos from when I w- was getting radiation and I talk in the, one of the videos about what it's like to go through the first day and get you know, the, the tape they put on you and they mark you, they mark you. And so that's in the show. And then I, I play just, I play about almost, it's like 35 characters. So it's a solo show and I've traveled all over, traveled the world with it. I went to Scotland, Edinburgh Fringe. And, um, my favorite place. It what did you say? That's my favorite place, Edinburgh, Scotland. So funny that you mentioned that place specifically. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's really cool. Super cool. I did the 2018 festival and it's, so I did like 27 performances in 26, in 28 days. So I'd book one day off. It was just, it was a really great experience. And it was also kind of like the best way to come out of cancer treatment, I would say. Um, Because you're taking something that's so awful and I made it kind of work for me. I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Well, you said, so you came out, your, your final treatment was February of 2017. And mm-hmm. so when did you start the, the show? June, 2017. So oh three gosh. months. Later. Yeah. I was working on it in treatment. So I was going to my writing class. I still had my port and my director, what Jessica Lynn Johnson was um, like, she, she holds a free writing class and it's literally next. To, that's how I, a friend of mine brought me there, but it's next to We Spark Cancer Support Center, which I was like, this is sort of like is that the word kismet? You know, it's like meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I re- started where I just wrote the show and I brought scene after scene and I was working with her developing the show, taking what, what I had written and, you know, in my journals and creating them into scenes and then adding in different videos from the, I did my YouTube, it's like a YouTube journal. So I kind of went through and I was like, cold capping is in the show. And I, I have a, my cold capping, um, at the time I had like there's different types of cold capping and the one I did, you had to change your cold cap every 15 minutes and you carry this cooler with you with dry ice and you have like eight cold caps and it's like this whole process. So you have people changing out your cold caps every 15 minutes. So it was either my husband or like my friends. And so that's in the show, like that center stage is this cold cap cooler. And I start there and you hear a VO of my doctor talking about my diagnosis um, which is actually him from my, they recorded oh, wow. the, the, the meeting, the four hour meeting. I had a four hour meeting with my oncologist the first time I met him. And uh, so that starts with that. And then it goes and I go into the diagnosis monologue, which is become a scene now that I play all the different characters. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been sort of, I had no idea that I would be doing a solo show about my cancer. <laughs> And then I add in, like I update it as I go through. So it's sort of this growing piece of work that I, I think de- helps me mentally too, you yeah, know, absolutely. We, 
we ended up fostering a child and adopting her. And I talk about that. And now she's in the show a little bit, not her herself. Yeah. Photo of her. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just like this, yeah, moving, growing piece of work that just grows as I go through treatment. I love yeah. it. I love it. I mean, I think that's so cool. And, you know, I've, uh, through this podcast, I've gotten to meet some really amazing people and, um, you know, some are just super talented, artistic, and, um, you know, some of the things that they've done with their story is just amazing. I mean, I have nothing other than, other, you know, no other thing to say other than it's just <laughs> amazing. Um, so obviously, you know, with COVID, 19, um, you know, just completely taking over 2020, obviously the shows are not happening in person, but, um, you know, kind of before we started recording, you did say that you will be doing a virtual show. So do you want to share some information about that and where people can find that? Sure. Um, I'll be performing virtually, uh, it's, it's called Santa Monica Playhouse and you can check out chemo Barbie, Dot com And then on there, I'll have the link once they give me the link to the virtual show on there. And uh, I do have an Instagram account called Chemo Barbie. And I mean, I have a private account too, but but that's my, yeah, that's the show. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to give I, your I, private I, account I, away. <laughs> right. My children are on the, my child is on the, is on the, the private account. But yes, Chemo Barbie and then Chemo Barbie on Facebook as well. So the, that will have all the information for any upcoming virtual shows and any upcoming performances that I'm, well, hopefully 2021 will have some type of vaccine where we can go back out, but who knows, right? Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it is quite honestly the, uh, the year of the completely unknown. Um, Unprecedented times. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Um, did you, did, I had a question for you about the, did you end up using a surrogate? Um, I did not. Um, I decided that, um, you know, I, I just, I had wrong information given to me um, from my medical oncologist. He had told me that there was no possible way to check my eggs for the genetic mutation. Um, uh-huh. And because, like, um, like, this is probably one of the most emotional parts of my journey is I just remember my mom sitting at the foot of my bed right as I was going in for my mastectomy and just the terror in her face. And I thought, yeah, I don't want to be in that seat. I don't want to have to, yeah, yeah, watch my daughter go through what I went to went through. So, um, so I, you know, I didn't have the information to know, and um, I, I didn't want to carry that weight of knowing that I passed on a genetic mutation. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. We had, I, yeah, my husband has to be checked and if he has anything, they'll have to go in the embryos and take out or turn off that code. Yeah. But if there's something that they can't do, you know, then it's like, I wouldn't want to put a kid through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's a very personal decision. Everybody makes their Mm -hmm. own decision and I'm not saying any way is right or wrong. Um, I used to have a much stronger stance on it when I was younger. Um, but you know, I've, I've matured (laughs) since then. Um, and you know, I just recognize that everybody, everybody makes their own decision and nobody's decision is right or wrong. Um, it's just, you know, it's yours and you own it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I'm, yeah, I'm asking a little because in the show I talk about that. Like I talk about the, 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 the fertility. I talk about what we all go through with that and our decisions and how we choose to go forward. You know, there's so many ways to become a, if, if someone wants to become a parent, there's so many different ways. So right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I well, always am curious. Yeah, I yeah, know. I, uh, I, uh, Yeah. It was a great question because we did talk about it. So, um, yeah. yeah, but well, I just want to tell you that I have so enjoyed our conversation. Um, I know we talked at length before we even started recording, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you are just delightful. Um, I am so glad that we were able to connect and have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to watching your virtual um, show when it, when it becomes available. Oh yeah. It's October I forgot to say the date, didn't I? October 19th. So it's a Monday because they're doing every other days because of COVID. So they're, they're living, they're letting the theater rest for two days in between, even though there's not going to be an audience, but there'll be the director, myself and the tech who runs all my multimedia. So it's October 19th and they'll be running a live stream. So it's live, but it's, uh, it's virtual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to check it out. Thank you. <laughs> sure. oh, yeah. So, yeah. So thanks again. Um, I appreciate your time and, you know, just thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really, really nice to meet a fellow survivor. Yeah. Chat, chat with you and talk with you. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.